this is Sean Donovan, and you're listening to the guys at Send Central. Our objective is to build a younger, faster, stronger team that will play more consistent hockey year in and year out. Building for this future success only also means strategic choices about the presence. I'm here today to announce the most important decision in our multi-year rebuild for the, with the, for the Ottawa Senators. We have a trade to announce. Nashville trades number 15 to Ottawa. Ottawa Senators select with their first selection, Eric Carlson. You see the, the face of the franchise up there, and this is going to be a big moment. The past welcoming the future of the franchise. You were young. You were shy and unimpressible. Played here in Sweden, and uh, we had an exhibition game against Ottawa. I mean, that was a very exciting game for me. Uh, it hopefully be the only time I play against him, so. And I know that you wanted to ride. I won't deceive it. It's very unfortunate that uh, I'm going to have to move on professionally. There's something in the air. Terrific hit by Carlson. Found a boy, but then that boy he grown up into a man. I'm a little bit nervous actually because I don't really know what to say, but it, uh, it it's a good feeling. It's an honor to be a captain of a Canadian team. Back to the point, Carlson lines fires, scores! Ottawa ties the game with 7.7 to go. Big Eric Carlson rips this straight in. And the winner of this year's 2015 Norris Trophy for Best Defenseman is... Eric Carlson. Find it out now, get your head out of the clouds, it's your destiny. Carlson came up, kept it in on side, good work by Carlson. Look at it, passes, score! Wow! What a play by the captain! Maybe he is okay. He looks like the old Carlson here, doesn't he? Carlson's up there, trying to center it. Carlson scores! Like the predator he is, Eric Carlson waits, and then strikes, and the Senators have the lead. Get much of a shot away. Back comes Carl 
Carlson rushing that puck up to Ryan. Now Ryan into the corner. Carlson scores! Eric Carlson, simply extraordinary. This is one heck of a response. You gotta pick up Eric Carlson. You leave your man, he goes to the net, and it's in the back of your net. Lastly, you know, to the city of Ottawa uh, for taking me in and, uh, you know, making it my forever home. Uh, to all the fans, to all the people that live here, uh, that, uh, that's been a big part of my entire adult life and it's something that it always will be. It's a city that I'm, uh, you know, going to set my roots in and f forever stay in, uh, even though I'm not going to represent this, this hockey club anymore. Uh, it's always going to be my home and it's always going to be a community that I'm going to be as much involved in as I possibly can. Nearly a week ago, the clock struck midnight. No matter how much scar tissue it built up, I mean, how long it had been, it like felt like the, oh, eternity since the rumors started, but didn't cause the sting to be any less. I'm Ross Levitan, and I'm joined today with Brandon Piller. Hey, guys. In the TSN studios, and on the phone we have Chris Parliament from Woodstock. How's it going, Parley? Oh, not bad, boys. Can't get back right, right about now, but uh, it's all right. Yeah, we tried to do him some justice going through the uh, highlights of his career, some of the many, and I wanted to make sure that at least a good portion of that was the 2017 playoffs where he was a legend. He cemented legendary status uh, by playing on one leg. And remember that stat? He was on the ice and was contributed on, I think, nine of the 11 winning goals that the Sens scored during that playoff run. Yeah, it was the ultimate uh, team on the back or team on the ankle, if you will, uh, moment. I mean, he was the guy. He had the C on his jersey, and he was the captain of that team. He was the lifeblood of that team, and he seemed to do it all so casually and so calm that I agree it was legend status earned. And we'll get to how he's the third straight captain to not leave on very good terms and joins a, a Hollywood-level list of star players to leave the Ottawa Senators on bad terms. This is episode 46 of Making Sense of the Sens, and as I tweeted out from the account Sens Central on Twitter, if you don't follow us already, make sure to go do that. When we named this show, we didn't think we were going to have to make sense of something that is so, so insane. Your 28-year-old star defenseman, two-time Norris Trophy winner, third in franchise history in points, and you trade him away for Pillar, how did you describe it on Twitter? Well, the way I looked at it is we we talked about uh, this trade for I don't even know how many episodes before it finally happened, and we all said Dorian, he's got to hit a home run with this trade. You get one, you get one swing at this. So really, for me, it seems like Dorian went with instead of a home run, he went with six singles that he's hoping stretch into doubles and. I mean, you can do that, but when you're talking about a player with at the caliber of Carlson's his skill level and where he's at right now, you can't settle for all these singles and hope they turn into doubles. They they very uh, well may like there's some there's a lot of potential mixed in these six assets, but the problem that I have is there wasn't one clear uh, 
name. Yeah, yeah. You said it best, Ross. It's not a good sign when you the return package, you have to Google all the names. So that that kind of worried me a little. Like there wasn't one hurdle. There wasn't one Timo Meyer or any kind of player like that where you're like, wow, at least we got that sure thing. Yeah, I agree. It would have been nice to see a name like Timo Meyer or Thomas Hurdle in there, a guy that can step in and play significant top six minutes right away, which we said on prior podcasts, and I think was a uh, pretty held standard that if you trade your franchise defenseman, you're going to get an impact guy right away coming back. But when this deal fell through, and I guess the trade call was made, and everybody started coming in, and we realized what the pieces were coming back for Eric Carlson, it became very clear for me that this was not a move Pierre Dorian was willing to make, because the league had him. He didn't have the league. And when you start looking back on it, the reason it didn't happen before the first day of training camp was because everyone knew. The other 30 GMs around the league knew that they were able, they were going to be the ones to set the standard because it was going to be the GM that waited the longest. And you you give up six pieces if you're San Jose, but they're not six significant pieces. And Ottawa did not want to go into day one with that training camp with Eric Carlson, number 65, being the distraction on the ice. They came out and said in their press release, this was the most important move in the rebuild. They got six pieces back, and like you said, Posey, there's a potential there that these can turn, these singles can turn into doubles, and obviously that's what Pierre Dorian is banking on. But right now, you look at it, and he got worked because this was the only way he was going to be able to get it done because everybody knew that it was desperate times in Ottawa. So the one that was able to wait the longest and have that right call on the right day was the one that was going to get the deal done. It wasn't which player or which team was able to give back the most value. It was one that just exercised the most patience. Yeah, and Doug Wilson was in Ottawa circling his prey. The Ottawa native and still resident clearly had a picture shaking hands with Carlson. It's then been confirmed that Carlson actually met with Peter DeBoer, the head coach in Toronto, just days before, so maybe not a coincidence that Carlson was wearing teal shoes at the golf tournament. Um, but wow. the return is absolutely secondary right now. What matters is what Eric Carlson meant to the city of Ottawa, what he meant to this franchise. And you heard it at the start of the montage. Don Brennan saying it was like handing off the past to the future when Daniel Alfredson at the Canadian Tire Center, then Scotiabank Center, or the Corral Center, or anything in between. That was a moment that just felt right. It felt proper. And then to have it all slip away, just to read off some of his accomplishments, we mentioned the two Norris trophies, 627 games, ranked 8th all-time, and you think of all the time he missed with his Achilles injury, almost a full season there's a, probably an extra 40 games there potentially, but goals, he's ranks ninth. Assists, he ranks third. Only Alfredson and Spezza have more assists and more points. His 518 points, ranked third. Shots on goal, only Alfredson has more shots. Second in shots on goal, third in power play points. Get this, third in block shots in franchise history. Only that unreal pair from the mid-2000s, Phillips and Volchenkov, were ahead of Eric Carlson in that stat. Only Alfredson, who I mean, Alfie's first in everything. Only Alfie had more takeaways than Eric Carlson's 474. And the saddest part, nine years wasn't enough to be the greatest senator of all time. But if you look at it, 
in points per game. He's sixth top defenseman by a mile. Assists per game, second in franchise history. Time on ice per game, first. So nobody played more per game than Eric Carlson. This guy's just a legend in every sense of the word. And like we mentioned, he played some of his best hockey on, well, you mentioned the Achilles there, but that shattered ankle in the playoffs, and he played through it. I mean, this guy played at such a high caliber, and we talk and we can joke that he was King Carl or he was the captain of the team, but this guy actually led the team, and statistically, like you just showed, but he was a leader on and off the ice, and this was a guy that brought it every single day, and it didn't matter. If it was a down year for the Senators, it wasn't. It was a good player on sometimes a bad team, but it was a great player on every team he stepped foot on the ice. And, yeah, it's, it's tough to make sense of the Sens right now. Chris, was that your most impressive Carlson accomplishment, that playoff run? Yeah, and I'm glad you asked because I think the moment that was most Carlson for me in that playoff run was we had a when Derek Broussard was slow getting back and that bad goal was snuck in on Craig Anderson who kind of muffled the puck out of the corner. And Eric Carlson came back to the bench and screamed down the bench. And I talk about it, usually a calm, cool, collected guy, but he let the team have it. And everyone thought it was kind of pointed at Derek Broussard for not getting back on that play. And then wind it up, King, in the end, in the Boston end, and he just walks around. Pretty much everybody wearing black, yellow, and white. And it looks like he's going to rifle off a shot and then puts it right in the wheelhouse of Derek Broussard. No doubt goal. And the celebration afterwards, it felt like the roof came off the building. It felt like everything was made all right with that pass on the bench. And he that was the way he led the team. He did it with unbelievable skating ability, unbelievable vision, passion that he showed by yelling at everybody. And that was the most Carlson moment for me, I think. Yeah, Chris, I, I honestly, I got chills just remembering that moment. And like you said, the reaction. Brassard, after he scored, it almost looked like on his face, he was just like, I get it. Like, mm-hmm. I, like, thank you, Carl. Like, I will listen. Like, you just set me up perfectly. And my moment, this is kind of the gimme, but we got to talk about it. Same series against Boston. How many times have you heard of a goal in the playoffs where a player scores on a breakaway and does the Forsberg move, and that's the afterthought of the play. Everybody is talking about the pass. Eric Mm -hmm. Carlson is the kind of legend that can make those things happen and in intense moments. Both these moments we talked about, that's the same playoff series while he's hurt. You just, you can't, you can't draft guys like this very often. It's terrible to see a guy like Eric Carlson leave. Yeah, you know what? That playoff run, I'm not going to argue and say it's not the most impressive, but when you look back after 2007 and further from 2008, the year that Carlson was drafted, the Sens were kind of in a make the playoffs and be one and done and then miss the playoffs, then make it and then miss it. His 20-year-old season, his his second full season in the NHL, well, his first year when he was 19, he played 60 games, then he played 75 He was a minus 30, 45 points, still showed offensive flair. But guys, he was a 21-year-old defenseman who won the Norris Trophy. That doesn't happen. He had 78 points in 81 games. He took this team on his back, 
And you know what he doesn't get enough credit for is rejuvenating Daniel Alfredson, who I think was kind of done. You know, I, I think there, he's admitted himself, if the Sens won the Cup in 07, he would have retired after winning the Cup. The fact that Carlson gave him this extra life to not only play, but Alfie made the All-Star game in 2012 that was hosted in Ottawa. It's just, it's it's embarrassing that it got to this point. And the guy who traded him, and let's be honest, we all know that there's the black cloud that is hanging over Pierre Dorian, and we don't need to get into names, but everybody listening knows who's pulling the strings there. Dorian, not even 15 months ago, said on the eighth day, God created Eric Carlson. How how do you move on from a player just, just like that? It, it was a special bond between Daniel and, and uh, Eric. It, it, goes, it kind of goes without saying because the way that both those guys, I mean, the connection was there right from the get-go from draft day, and you could tell that Daniel had that special effect on Eric by him saying, I don't ever want to play against this team again. And it was the man wearing the C in Ottawa that really took him over. And, you know, you can just you can just imagine a young Eric walking into that locker room, with nice hair, skinny body, walking Play, in kind of. Playing kind with of, Philip Kuba. Yeah, kind of deer in the headlights. And Daniel saying, hey, kid, I see it in you. And I'm going to help you get there. And he did. And, you know, it all comes down to that last day of, before he leaves town, Eric Carlson wearing his Team Sweden helmet on the ice with Daniel Alfredson just soaking in that last little bit. At the Minto skating facility. You know who runs that facility? I do not. Mark Mathot's dad, another senator who didn't leave on the greatest of terms in the sense that I think he would have loved to have stayed. So with this growing list of senators who clearly love the city, love the community, when you're a small market Canadian team going up against the Goliaths of Toronto and Montreal, it's tough to attract players. So when you have these great community guys throw Kyle Turris's name in that hat, why are you pushing them away? Shouldn't you be doing everything you can to make sure that they're content? I, I completely agree. And uh, I was thinking about it the other day, you know, the whole kind of rebuild started you, you think about when Dorian says, oh, I have, it started last February. Well, that to me means the Dion Phaneuf deal, if I'm correct. Yeah, with Nate Thompson. There. Yeah, so it, it would, that, was, that was the deal that really got it going. But for me, this whole thing kind of fell apart when Mark Mathot left because you talk about it, Eric Carlson came in the league playing with Philip Kuba. He finally found that guy. We all loved how Mark Mathot was able to Stay with Sidney Crosby. Mark Mathot. One of you know, Brian Murray's about, best moves was trading Nick Felino for Mark Mathot. I agree. And you got you've got a guy where the system's kind of built around it. Dion Phaneuf on the left side, Mark Mathot on the left side, Mark Borbietsky on the left side. Boral Kopp's the up. last guy. You stand up and you have puck retrievals on the right side. Eric Carlson was that guy and they found the perfect match for him in Mark Mathot. Why are you not going out of your way to protect them? I mean, it, it's not the sexiest protection when you're going into the expansion draft, and maybe that means you're going to lose a potential 20-goal guy in Ryan Zingle. But, I mean, why not make the perfect situation for a guy like Eric Carlson? And then, again, a community guy. He grew up in Ottawa. He was happy to be an Ottawa senator. He's a good team guy, and he fit your system beautifully. Pieces like that moving on, it really does have an effect on the room, and 
you know, you can say it started in February, and I get it. Every team has to lose somebody for the expansion draft. But the amount of deals that were done to keep good players in their situation on their team, it feels like Ottawa could have made more of an effort to keep the situation what I think was perfect for Eric Carlson on the top-line defense. Yeah, Chris, I agree 100% with that. Like, if you're, you don't take away Robin from Batman, you know, you don't take away that sidekick, regardless of, I don't, I think we can all agree, Mark Mathot, he wasn't an all-star defenseman or anything like that, but he did all the things right that Carlson needed in a partner. And that was just so crucial to the whole body of the team, just having that proper pairing defenseman for Carlson because we all know after after and before Mathot, there was no one who properly lined up with Carlson and Carlson just had to deal with a random collection of underwhelming partners to go with him. I mean, we talk about the Johnny Oduyas, Ben Harper, Freddie Clayson. Like these are low pairing guys who you're trying to put with the arguably the best defenseman in the league that's a joke it's it was almost like a diss when they didn't protect mark mathot to carlson like we're not too concerned about uh whether you have your d partner or not we'll just toss toss somebody else in there for you yeah not only that kyle turris was a really good friend of carlson's and i don't think carl liked how that situation was handled turris even on the way out said i think management wanted to sign me but the owner didn't and i'd be shocked if that's not a similar thing with with Carlson is he's being introduced in a press conference right now with the Sharks. First practice, they put him with Mark Edward Vlasic. Deez. Like that like what <sighs> similar defenseman to Mark Mathot. So Yeah, and and you want to talk about a player that maybe isn't gonna be the best player statistically for you on the team, but he brings that kind of mojo to the team. He's a great locker room guy, a glue guy, but he can play the tough minutes. He's willing to put the body on the line. Just have to look at the Washington Capitals last year and what Brooks Orpik did for that team. I mean, veteran blue liners make such a difference on your team, especially if they're going to help accent and your star defenseman on the right side. All right. Well, I think we, I think we've all made clear that this should never have happened. Hopefully, this isn't the end of Carlson in Ottawa until he signs an extension. Even maybe after, I'm going to hold out hope, but we all are. Until then, right I mean, we we are making sense of the sends. We aren't making sense of Eric Carlson. We've all been Eric Carlson fans for 10 years right now. We've all been Ottawa Senators fans for much longer. So let's talk about the return. The Ottawa Senators acquired Chris Tierney, Dylan DeMello as the NHL pieces in the trade, Rudolph Balsers and Josh Norris as the two prospects. They'll get a first in 2020 which we'll get into why I think that's actually better than a 2019. They'll get a second in 2019, though. Then they get a conditional second if Carlson re-signs. That second then would become a first if the Sharks win the Stanley Cup this year. And then the Hoffman Clause, where Pierre Dorian didn't want to get embarrassed twice by Doug Wilson just flipping an asset for what he really wants. Imagine Carlson ending up in Toronto. I vomit even thinking about it. So Can we edit that out? Yeah. The Senators <laughs> will get a first-round pick if Carlson is on an Eastern Conference roster this season. Chris, I'll start with you. Which piece are you most excited about getting back in this trade? 
Well, I've, I've, I've always been a Chris Tierney guy, and I think he's going to hop in the lineup. I mean, boys, when it rains, it pours, and seeing John Gabriel Pajot go down that morning as well is a tough one. And even Pierre Dorian, I mean, I think he would take it back if he could. A reporter asked after Eric Carlson's presser was over and Dorian went up to the stand. One of the reporters asked, I can't remember who it was, is John Gabriel Pajot hurt? And Dorian laughed a little bit because it even it didn't seem like he was laughing at the fact that his probably number two centerman was hurt. It was like, yeah, I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, I'm in a tough spot right now. Yep. So I think Chris Tierney's going to have to hop into that second uh, second centerman spot, at least to get the season going, see where Logan Brown is when he gets his feet wet in the NHL. But I think that's you're looking at your number two centerman right there. And, hey, he's got an NHL career under his belt so far. I mean, he's he's been there. He's played in some tough uh, playoff games. He's been tested there. Certainly, he's not your number prototypical number two centerman going forward. But tough situation. He's going to have to slide into that role, and he's a good skater. He's, he's an NHL body, as uh, as Guy Boucher would say. And then Dylan DeMello. Uh, no, but Chris, let, let's stay on Tierney for a sec, because I think you're selling him a little bit short. The thing with Tierney is that he was stuck on a depth chart at center that had any mix, because I know Pavelski kind of plays wing and center, but Joe Thornton's locked in as a top six center forever. And then you have kind of a mix of Thomas Hurdle and uh, Joe Pavelski. So I think he kind of got pigeonholed into that third third line center spot. But we saw when Thornton got hurt, when he had the opportunity to play with more offensive players, he was able to kind of c- contribute on the offensive end. So I'm, I'm looking for him, his offensive game really to grow. I'd like to see him hit 20 goals this year. Hey, and you know what? Chris Tierney, he he may not be the kind of guy that is going to show you offensive flair, but if you look a little deeper into his numbers, there's actually some room for some upside. He only had 118 shots uh, last season, but he had a good shooting percentage, 14.4 percentage. And then he's, like I said, he's not a guy that's going to wow you with his offense, but this guy's a known penalty killer. He led the Sharks in shorthanded points, and he was third in shorthanded ice time last year with the Sharks behind only Braun and Vlasic. So this, I've, I feel like there's a lot of versatility to this guy, and there's more that meets the eye. So really, preferably, he would be your third-line center. That's kind of the the mold that he is. But we'll see what he can do in that second-line role and with, with a little more talent than he's used to playing in a bottom-six role with the Sharks. All right, Chris, so now let's get to Dylan DeMello. What are your thoughts on the veteran defenseman? Well, I mean, this is, uh, yeah, I mean, you move your Eric Carlson. We just talked about how much statistic impact he's had on the Ottawa Senators over his career. And you move a guy like that to bring in Dylan DeMello to go into your top four. Now, Cody Cece will likely get the promotion to the first line. And Dylan DeMello. He's an NHL defenseman, don't get me wrong. He's played 133 games. But yeah, I, I, is... I didn't realize. I said veteran, but I mean, last year was his first year playing more than 25 games, or sorry, playing more than 45 games in a season. So, And he only played 63. It's not like he played the full 82 or close to it. Yeah, zero goals, by the way. Yeah, so that's what I was going to say. He is not your point-getting defenseman. He's not going to help you on the power play. He's not going to put in a couple in 5-1-5 play, but... He's played in the NHL before, so this is, uh, he played 45 games in 2015 16, 25 in 2016 17, and then 17 18, so last season, 63 games played, 20 assists, 
but he was a plus 34. So, sorry, a plus 20. So, he, uh, you know, he's, he's a depth defense. We don't have to stay on him for too long. Yeah, he's uh, he's a pick. He's He's going to be playing behind Cody Cece, likely with Christian Wallinan or Ben Harper. There's not much more to say. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I'd like to see Chris Wyman get a chance at a more prominent role. I mean, he had eight shots on goal last night in his first game since, what, last November? Yeah, I, I expect Weidman to, uh, at the very least, he's probably going to be on that third pair with Boro, but at the very least, get some time on that second power play unit. Let's get to the prospects here. Um, I'll go, Pillar, which one are you most excited about? We'll start with that one. Oh, for me, it's got to be uh, Rudolph Balsers. There, this offensive is, talent. That's the thing. This we talked about Tierney not being an offensive flair guy. Uh, Balsers is the exact opposite. This guy is oozing with offensive flair and confidence. I know. I know it doesn't sound impressive, but if you haven't seen that goal he scored against Norway when he was playing with Latvia. It is incredible that the way this guy dangles around the defenseman, keeps the puck on his stick, and out uh, outweights the goalie and gets that goal. I've got a lot of excitement for this guy. He's only 5'11", 174 pounds, but he finished second on the team uh, in scoring in the WHL, and then he led the San Jose Barracudas his first year going pro. So this is a guy that really can step up when he needs to, and that Barracudas team was not filled with a lot of uh, good offensive pairings for him. I think he can really make some noise in Belleville, and this is a guy, maybe, probably not next year, but two, three years down the road, we could see him in a sort of second-line, third-line role, and he could be putting up kind of Ryan Dezingle numbers. Yeah, he's a he's a small player. He's five foot 11, 170-ish pounds, and grew up mostly playing in Norway. Uh, for Sten Wenger, yep. uh, the Norwegian league, and always put up offensive numbers. So it was no surprise that when he came to Kamloops for that one season, he scored 40 goals. Like, how's that? Have Huge. A, have a day. Not bad. Played in the World Juniors twice with uh, with Latvia, although one of them was the Division One. So Latvia was in the league below World Juniors. But he had a strong World Championships. The last hockey he's played, he had six points in eight games at the World Championship. So there is a lot of offensive upside with Rudolph Balsers. And with Josh Norris, who's unsigned, currently playing at the University of Michigan, what I didn't like was that the first thing Pierre Dorian said was that he's Brady Kachuk's best friend. Like, maybe save that a little bit. Like, give me a little more to, to munch on than that. Because last time you brought in someone's best friend, you brought in Carl's best friend, it was Johnny Oduya, and I didn't like what I saw on the ice. So I would like to have a little more confidence in what he can bring on the ice. I can't pretend like I know him very well. What I can say is that he played in the World Juniors at 18 uh, in a limited role, didn't have a point in six games. But looks like he'll get a bigger role this year, and... If you follow Quinn Hughes on uh, on Instagram, he had a cool story where uh, he, he had the words, we have a trade to announce, and it was Josh Norris wearing a blazer open with the Sens uh, training yeah. shirt underneath, and with the Sens hat, he looked like he was on draft day. He had the sunglasses on in a dorm, like classic college kid move. And I know you like the college kids, Parley, so I'll get your opinion on this. What do you, what do you expect? Because... I think the naysayers will be like, oh, he's just another Colin White, like a guy who doesn't really, he leaves you with a lot to be desired. But like, what do you expect from Josh Norris? Yeah, I did some did some digging on Josh Norris because all I was given was he was friends with Brady Kachuk. So I decided to look a little bit deeper. 
And what I found was he's a, a guy that will play on the power play, but he'll also play on your PK. And he's a three zones guy, so he can uh, he's responsible in all aspects of the game. He's not going to blow you away with his speed or anything like that, but uh, he's got a good vision. And a lot of scouts have said that he can move the puck well. So, look, he's a first-rounder last season. He's got some growing to do. But right now he's got the aspects that make up a good NHLer. He's not just that flashy guy that can score goals and will make a nice move every once in a while. He's going to be a guy that's going to come in to worry about taking care of his own end. And uh, he might be given a shot to do that by the Senators soon. they just got to sign him. And, hey, uh, he's got a good shot at winning again this year in Michigan with Quinn Hughes going back there. So it would be nice to see him take on a bigger role this year. I just want to make a quick correction. I said he had no points at the World Juniors. He had three assists but no goals. Ah, I, I feel like uh, Josh Norris, for me, is sort of the replacement to Shane Bowers. I feel like they're kind of, yeah. you know, like same kind of floor, same kind of ceiling, same kind of hype, both playing college hockey, both still developing. So I feel like that kind of is is a lateral move to replace Bowers, which is good. you gotta, you got to get those prospects back in there. And to build on the point of him being Brady Kachuk's best friend, I actually watched a couple highlight packs of him. And the first highlight I saw was uh, tic-tac-toe play on a 2-1-0 with Brady Kachuk wearing a Team USA uniform. And, hey, you never know, guys. Uh, the confidence of playing with one of your buddies and Brady yep. Kachuk, if he's able to have the instant impact, you come in and uh, you've already gotten in with the room. And uh, if you can get some confidence going with him, you never know. Maybe he can uh, step up and become an impact player in the NHL. Yeah, kind of funny. Both of them went to each other's drafts. They're the same age, but Brady Kachuk's got the late birthday, so he was the, the next draft. So the last time they played together was at the U.S. National U18 team. Josh Norris had 61 points in 61 games. Brady Kachuk had 54 points in 61 games. And let's al- al- although Brady Kachuk... Uh, although Brady Kachuk also had 129 penalty minutes that year. <laughs> and that's against men. So, uh, Well, in the USHL. So the equivalent to Junior A, if anybody's listening, from uh, from uh, Canada as well. The, equ- the equivalent of the USHL. Uh, should we get to some Prairie Fire? Prairie Fire. Prairie Fire. What is Prairie Fire? This is Prairie Fire. Boys get to be back. I love the fact that we are now doing this uh, across the country. It's a beautiful thing. And to have Prairie Fire back in his natural prairie habitat, again, it is a beautiful thing. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't start off by saying a huge shout-out to the boys in Bombargo for uh, the use of that track that we dropped down on the Carlson Montage. Uh, They're currently out on a Western Canadian tour. Check them out if you have the opportunity. Hopefully they'll be out in Ontario sooner rather than later and Get out onto YouTube. Check out the single. It is amazing. It is Oxygen by Bombargo, and it is a beautiful track. Oxygen yeah, we'll, we'll tweet great. out the link to the track, too. It's a wicked banger. It's on iTunes as well. Oh, yeah, so good. Roscoe, you did a hell of a job mixing in that uh, that Carlson montage. I was like, I was close to the ugly cry a couple of times. Like, it was sad. The I, I never want to play for another team, or I never want to play against Ottawa again, like, yeah, that that was that was a little that that definitely hurt. But boys, away from the sad stuff into the fun stuff, a little bit of pee fire time. So uh, we're going to start this off with uh, with some guys that have kind of rode off into the sunset. Now, 
Cowboys, which former senator do you think has the best chance to win the Cup this year? Uh, looking at Turris in Nashville, Carlson in San Jose, Brass in Pittsburgh, Hoffman in Florida, or Phaneuf in L.A.? Purdy, that's a good question. Uh, I wouldn't say they rode off into the sunset. They're going to miss out on an exceptional Sens team in years to come. So really, I would say they're riding off the other way. But for next year, I think personally, Kyle Turris has the best shot at getting a Stanley Cup. Wow. That Nashville team just looks amazing. They they have no problems really in the playoffs, even when they're injured. I mean, the Jets gave them, gave them a hard time. But I think Nashville... Jets beat them. Yeah, they beat them. But <laughs> they gave him a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> but Nashville's going to come back, and I think Kyle Turris was in a bit of a weird funk. I think maybe he had some hard, a hard time adjusting as the season went on. I just It was if, all adrenaline at the start, and he did really well. If, if Pekka Rennie can keep up his Vesna Trophy caliber goaltending. Contract year. Exactly, and it's a contract year for him. Defense wins championships. They've got one of the ba- best back ends in the league. I'm going Kyle Turris with best former senator to win the cup this season. So he's got Nashville. Who you got, Parley? He took the words right out of my mouth, but for a different reason. Kyle Turris is going to be 2C behind my boy Ryan Johansson. I honestly think Ryan Johansson's going to light the league on fire this Ooh. year, boys. We, we all talked about Mark Shifley last year, how he kind of – Played himself into that elite status. Look for that at a JoJo this year. I don't know if they call him that. Ryan Johansson. Guys. I think he's going to be nasty, and the Preds are going to hoist it. Guys, you're bragging about Turris being the, the 2C? You realize that Broussard is the 3C in Pittsburgh. That team underwhelmed last year in the postseason, finally losing to Washington after, what was it, the nine, they're 9 for 10 against Washington? But is the curse switched now? Can Ooh. Pittsburgh not be able to handle the Capitals wow. in the playoffs now? That is Spin a zone. steaming hot take. I, I think that we see a bounce back from Matt Murray, and, and if we do that, and Latang can stay healthy, which is always kind of up in the air, I think Pittsburgh's poised to make another run here. So I'm going to go with Derek Broussard as my answer to that question. All right, boys. Now, the bottom feeders of the Atlantic all got rid of their captains in a very short span of time in the last couple of weeks. So, obviously, I'm talking Ottawa, Montreal, and Detroit. So, who do you guys see as being the number one candidates? Or throw out a couple of ideas for who you think could be the next captain in Montreal, the next captain in Detroit, and, of course, the next captain of your Ottawa Senators. Parley, you want to start with that one? Yeah, sure. Um, I think... In Ottawa, it's pretty clear, even though he's on a one-year contract, that we've talked about it before, heart and soul guy. It's Mark Stone. The next guy, I don't really have to build a resume for him. The guy's all heart. And if they really want to stick to this core veteran group that they've talked about so many times in this rebuild, that's your oh, guy. Oh, they're rebuilding? That's, <laughs> that's the guy that you got to go with. Uh, Detroit, that, was, that one's an interesting case for me. Uh, they're in a little bit of a transition, that organization. You know, you, you lose Babcock a couple of years ago, and things are a little bit different there now, and you're losing your guys from the glory years. So I think a year without a captain for them might do well. We'll see who a guy in that room steps up. Um, I'm not quite sure who they'd go with next. And in Montreal, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> do you even know any Montreal roster players? i, I got to Google this quickly. I mean... Shea Weber would be a choice to go with, a veteran guy he's worn a C before. And but when is he going to be on the ice? 
Exactly. I, it's a tough decision coming out of Montreal. and I, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure who Montreal is going to pick. Are you going to hold out on? Yeah. <laughs> Let's hear it. You know what? I'm going to save it for last. So first, Ottawa Senators. Um, I think that they go this year. I think that Stone's captaincy, which I'm totally on board for Steel Snipe Selly. Comes with the extension. Comes with the extension. Yep. That same press conference, when you when you sign him, you put the C on the jersey. That That's a negotiating 100%. tactic. 100%. You say, look, we, we're ready to commit to you as the captain of this team, but not for six months. Like We saw that with Spezza, a one-year captain. Yikes. That, that's not going to happen. So I think the st- extension comes with the captaincy for Mark Stone, and if he decides to go elsewhere, <laughs> then, then, then things have to regroup. Uh, with Detroit... See, Detroit's in a bit of a pickle because I could see them going with Abdulkader or one of these guys who are just signed long term, just just because. Yeah. But the and, right hey, the right choice though. Sorry, go ahead. The right choice is Dylan Larkin. Yes, I agree. That's I was going to say Dylan Larkin, but I think they pump the brakes this season and don't put anybody on the seat. But with Justin Abdulkader, if I'm correct, this guy loves the organization. He proposed to his then girlfriend at center ice in the Joe. That is that is pretty down. cool. But if I was overpaid in both term and money, uh, I'd probably love the organization too, no matter who it was. And for the Montreal Canadiens, I think it's an easy choice for them as long as he can learn how to speak French. Uh, although you know what they're they're on two. Well, I, I'm thinking Saku Koivu, I'm thinking Max Pacioretty, and Brian Gianta, not in order. But that's three straight captains who d- didn't speak any French. So I guess it doesn't matter. So uh, Brendan Gallagher is going to be the captain of, of the Montreal Canadiens. I think he's the kind of player that embodies what what Terry, or not Terry, rather, uh, Claude Julien and um, Bergevin want in, in a captain. For me, it's like Ross said, Stone, when he does... Sign the extension, gets nice. the C. Uh, Detroit's going to be Larkin. And Montreal, whoever they can convince to be their number one centerman, I don't care who his name, what <laughs> language he speaks, they got to throw the C on that guy. All right, boys. So now we've finally gotten preseason game number one out of the way. Uh, who jumped off the page to you last night out on the ice for the Ottawa Senators? Obviously, from my vantage point, John Tavares had himself a game, but... Who in red really stood out to you? Well, Purdy, I think I'm going to hold off analyzing this until they play in an NHL-sized rink, which by the time many of you listen to this, they will have done as we're recording just hours before Brady Kachuk makes his Canadian Tire Center debut. So I want to hold off because really no nobody was, was really noticeable. And that was disappointing in a sense to me because, uh, I mean, uh, Formanton got the start up on that line. We saw kind of a rotation of of him and Batherson get, getting opportunity. Did we mention that we've got the Batherson interview that we're gonna we were gonna put out the Batherson interview? We spoke to him last week, uh, but we thought just with all due respect to Eric Carlson that we'd hold off and this would be more just celebrating the career of Eric Carlson. But getting back to last night's game, I thought Logan Brown could have this guy. He just leaves you with a little a little something to be desired and. Uh, unfortunately, Colin White, uh, I didn't really notice out there. So, But pump the brakes. It was one game. It was in a small town. The jitters were going. So I'm just going to I'm gonna hold on this, and I'm not going to answer it. Holding out twice in a row. 
You're like an NFL player right now. No, I just made you wait for the last one. All right. Um, I'm going to go with Mark Borowiecki. A couple <laughs> huge hits in the first period. True, fair enough. Going. Yeah, good call. He, uh, he was playing his style game, and it doesn't matter if he's in small-town Lucan or the bright lights of this Canadian Tire Center. The guy throws his weight around. and He's patrolling. I mean, sometimes when you're rebuilding, you don't know what's next. The guy just playing his game is something you need. So right now, Boro, after that video, he kind of made up for it. And Chris, I'm going to go with his probable D partner, Chris Weidman. We haven't seen Chris Weidman play in so long because of that brutal injury that we've talked about so many times, Malkin crushing him. But he's coming back, and if you're Chris Weidman, you're on that one-year deal. The best offensive defenseman in franchise history just left, and he I would argue he's now the best offensive-minded defenseman on this team. you got to show that you're willing to take shots and you're looking to step in and jump in on the offense. I think Chris Weidman showed that for sure. I think he had se- it was seven or eight shots, but just so many shots. Unfortunately, one of them hit Bobby Ryan in the hand, but what are you going to do? That'll, that'll happen every game, seems like. But it just, Chris Weidman, he... He has so much potential, and I think if he can be put in the right situations, he can really blossom, and we're looking at a 20- to 40-point player. Yeah, I don't think that that's unreasonable. Now, before we go, we touched on it a bit, but such bad news with Jean-Gabriel Pajot, who's going to take on more of a role. So, I mean, who's going to fill those minutes? You just give them right to Tierney? You have to. You have to give them to Tierney. You can't give them to Zach Smith. There's no way. Boys, this might not be a popular decision right now or a popular opinion, but I mean, if the place, if the things fall in place, sometimes you got to just give it to a guy. And right now, Logan Brown, I mean, he's playing show me hockey. He just played four years of junior hockey. You got to, you got to give him a chance at one point. You might want to just throw him into that second line role and say, "Hey, you're on the team now. Go take it. It's your number two role." I mean, you're not expecting much from this season, so a learning curve that's as big as that for Logan Brown might do him some good. I mean, uh, sink or swim kind of play. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And, ah, man, I think Colin White's probably going to get the, the first crack, if anything, though, because his his uh, picture's on the side of the building. So um, that usually... The writing's on the wall. <laughs> wow. that That's the perfect thing to end this episode at. Wow. What a solid rap, Brandon Pillar. So look out our next episode. We will have a Drake Baston interview, and we don't talk hockey that much. We know he's sick. Everyone knows he's sick. We wanted Sens fans to get to know who Drake Baston is. What NHLer is he most nervous about going in the corner with? Does he like to deke or shoot on a breakaway? We answer those kind of questions with Drake. So we have some fun with him. He's a great guy, and we look forward to watching his career develop as uh, we know this trajectory is going to be a top six forward, and we asked him what he thought his rating would be on NHL. Turns out it's gonna it's a sixty four. So we need to have a word with the developers on that. And then uh, another thanks to uh, OLP Sports for setting it up. Phil Osga, Agent Supreme over there helping us out getting the interview. Always fun dealing with them. So give them a follow on Twitter. Yeah, and by following them on Twitter at OLP Sports, you'll get to see the other prospects that they're mentoring because it's a really young company. They picked up mm-hmm. a lot of really good Q players for the most part. I don't think they've dabbled really in the O or the Dub, but the Q players they have are developing at a rapid pace, and you're going to see more and more of them develop into NHL talent. So 
Get on the bandwagon while it's still hot. OLP Sports. Shout out them. Shout out Eric Carlson. You are a legend. And that number 65, I don't care what anyone says, when Melnick sells, that 65 will be hanging right next to number 11 oh, in the man. rafters at the Canadian Tire Center. So no disrespect to any of the returning pieces. I hope that they don't feel the pressure of living up to Eric Carlson. This ship had fallen apart. These guys just have to do their part and chip away at building it brand new. So thanks for listening to Making Sense of the Sens. I'm Ross Levitan alongside Brandon Piller and Chris Parliament. You noticed Brendan Purdy's voice, so he couldn't make it for the episode, so we pre-recorded that. If you didn't realize that, tricked you. See you next week on Making Sense of the Sens as we'll be back weekly from now until the Sens lift the cup in June.